Welcome to the Thought Leadership Project, a podcast by Jay Harrington and Tom Nixon, exploring how lawyers can turn expertise into thought leadership and thought leadership into new business. Welcome back, everyone, to the Thought Leadership Project podcast. I'm Tom Nixon. I'm here with uh, my co-host. I should say the other host because co-host makes you sound subordinate, which is not at all the case. But I'm here with Jay Harrington. Hey, Jay. Hey, Tom. Good to see you. Good to hear from you. Yeah, you too. Uh, I, co-host is fine. I'm good with that. I think. That's... <laughs> all right. Good. There it is. We'll call it the Tom Dixon Show featuring Jay Harrington. All right. <laughs> Perfect. Um, I'm excited about today's episode. I'm introducing you to a, a colleague of mine, um, our guest today, Eric Meyer. Um, and Eric, I'll allow you to kind of do the honors of introducing your company a little bit more, but for our listeners by way of background, Eric Meyer is the, uh, the founder and CEO of EAM Consulting Group and president of Sandler Training, which is a sales and management training company, which now has offices, I understand, Eric, in Troy, Lansing, and Grand Rapids. Is that right? That's correct, Tom. I'm actually calling you guys from uh, from the west side of the state, which is just as rainy as southeast Michigan. Yeah, cool. Well, welcome to the show, Eric. Tell uh, the listeners quickly, just if they're not familiar with Sandler, what Sandler is and, and the role that you play. Yeah, so Sandler probably is best described if you ask our clients. They'd say we, uh, we help them in sales, sales management, leadership, uh, probably those key areas. We work with individual high performers that are looking for a competitive edge, small, medium-sized companies going through a period of growth where they want to become stronger, larger, better, faster from their, their sales development side. And then uh, large organizations that in some cases just kind of need to be restructured in their sales department. We hear a lot of common challenges. So they'll say things like we've got good products, we've got good services, but you know, for whatever reason, as we try to hit our big goals. We're just not getting in front of enough new prospects, keep pipelines full enough to support growth, or maybe, you know, they're, they're getting in front of a lot of good opportunities, good marketing's getting them good leads, but they're not closing and converting them. They get a lot of think it overs. And uh, sometimes it's just about competition. So they may have played in a, in a space or a region where there wasn't a lot of competition, but that's changed. And for them to keep clients or get new clients, they're giving up price and margin and trying to figure out how to not do that. Yeah. Great. Great. Well, we're looking forward to picking your brain today. You know, the, our podcast, we focus on, as the name suggests, you know, the Thought Leadership Project. We're primarily focused on thought leadership as a content marketing device or vehicle. Um, but lately, Jay and I have been exploring things further down the sales funnel. We had a guest on, uh, Adrian Lurson from JD Supra, which is a publishing platform and distribution and analytics um, provider in the legal space for content. And he I don't know if he coined, but he, he certainly triggered a thought when he used the term content business development as opposed to mm-hmm. content marketing. So Jay and I have been you know, focusing further down, down the sales funnel, which we thought was a, a great opportunity to bring on a sales expert. Um, and then the other thing that made me think of you is my partner, Jay, um, wrote a blog post about business development for attorneys in which he used the phrase, focus on the process, not the result which of course set off all these triggers, Eric, as you might imagine, um, back to my days as a Sandler trainee, hearing things like that and remembering that, you know, a version of that is in the very um, core values of Sandler. So when you hear Jay say, focus on the process, not the result, 
what do you hear and what do you urge, you know, our clients, law firms typically in this regard? Sure. So, so that, you know, a lot of them are like myself where they need to overcome a selling aversion, whether it's fear or it's whatever. Um, but when you start thinking about focus on the process and not the result, that tends to alleviate that. So, so talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. And, you know, specifically thinking of someone like an attorney, Tom, is that what you're thinking of? Yeah, yeah, generally, but yes, for this audience, our audience is primarily attorneys and law firm marketers. Yeah, so maybe I'll just go with uh, like a like a non-selling professional. I like to think of them as. So these are people that you know probably were encouraged for their entire life to pursue higher education, uh, become smart, get advanced degrees, and you know you'll do well in the world. And then uh, you know once they finally get into the uh, the business community they get kind of hit with a stark reality that what really will give them the most success in some cases is their ability to sell. So they just kind of turn into salespeople with glorified titles. Right. And, uh, you know, they, they just weren't really raised that way. So conceptually I find a lot of times there's a bit of a roadblock in what selling really means. And a big part of that roadblock is the idea that sales is about, you know, getting people to do stuff or closing business or closing people. And it puts a lot of pressure on the idea of business development. So at, at Sandler, we're big fans of, you know, disarmingly honest dialogue. If you're going to focus on anything, focus on the process, do the behaviors, the rest of it will fall into place. And if you take the pressure off of having to try to close anything, you know, naturally the conversation will usually end up either at a yes or a no, but in both cases it was the right outcome and it reduces the pressure for both parties involved, which makes selling fun when you finally figure that part out and generally pretty easy. Yeah. And you mentioned behavior. So just um, that's probably obvious to people, but give give us an example of what a set of behaviors might be that they should focus more on that, you know, committing to getting the behaviors done as opposed to like a sales quota, or if I don't, you know, close this next prospect, it's a, it's a loss. Absolutely. So behaviors, when I think of that, it's, it's specifically things that someone who's responsible for developing business has total and complete control over. And the results that we have a tendency to focus on aren't, aren't behaviors because results require at least one more person, uh, you know, to get there, right? If someone's going to say yes, that can't just be the, the sales side wanting it to be yes. The other side's got to agree to yes. But a behavior would be something like going to an industry event to expand a center of influence circle or uh, making a, you know, something as simple as an outbound call to you know, a potential client that you saw in a business publication that you want to start a conversation and a relationship with. Now, those are things that you've got complete control over. You can either choose to do them or you know, consciously choose not to do them. And if you just focus on the behaviors and you do enough of it and you make that your, your primary daily activity, the results come. Eric, this is Jay, and I wanted to jump in here and, and talk, uh, follow up kind of on some of these issues related to um, you know, selling in the, in the legal industry in particular. Um, and it's something that you know, we oftentimes see. I mean, I, I do individual coaching um, centered around business development, and, and there's certain things and patterns you see um, that are kind of uh, standard across the industry um, that, that lead to some aversion to selling. But um, I know you've, you know, from speaking to Tom, you've done some work um, with certainly in, in professional services more broadly. And I think in, in, in the context of sophisticated professional services, um, those industries in which 
uh, an individual is both the product in the sense that they're they're doing work, they're billing their time, they're selling their time, and they're also the the sales force. Um, you you see some of these uh, unique unique challenges arise. So I guess in in the context of of that industry where someone's selling expertise, what have you seen as some of the biggest limiting beliefs or hangups or challenges that have uh, you know that are faced by skilled professionals when it comes to business development. Any patterns and, and commonalities that you've seen? Yeah, you know, one of the big ones uh, when we're dealing with people who are professionals first and then, you know, maybe have to sell second to keep their practice or their business growing, it, it, well, to some degree, it's that part there. It's kind of changing the mindset that, you know, they have to sell so that they can do the work. And it's, it's got to be looked at kind of that way. So a lot of times that's a bit of a gap and they've got to kind of rewire their brain to the idea that you know, selling is a pretty primary function of job responsibility. But something else that, uh, that we run into pretty often also is the concept of unpaid consulting. And it's a, a difficult problem that uh, you know, someone who's a professional has to deal with because they usually have just a ton of knowledge and most of the value that they that they own is that knowledge they've accumulated over years uh, and when they get into a conversation with a potential client they start sharing it and they start teaching it and they start um, you know kind of spouting it out where it would appear to be in their best interest to give as much information as they can so that they can be seen as an industry expert in a lot of cases what it does is you know, leaves the the conversation kind of short of what's going to get them a client which is to understand really what we call is the pain that that potential client's dealing with. And, you know, once that's uncovered and understood, then uh, the, the resource and the professional on the other side generally will find themselves with a new client. Yeah, that, that's interesting, Eric. And maybe just to follow up on that point, I was curious, uh, that, that I, I, I agree, I think that, that issue uh, or that objective of, of identifying the pain is critical. Are there any, um, I guess, questions or uh, methods to uncover the pain in a, in a sales conversation? Um, is it, is it a, just a matter of being a more active listener? Are there ways to really identify and drill down on what, the, what really matters to the potential client? Yeah, absolutely. There's, uh, you know, there's always a, a fluidity to a good conversation where you know, scripted sales process, I find, is, comes up a little short on just having two humans having a, a healthy dialogue. But there are, there are definitely some questions or some tactics or strategies that are very helpful in uncovering and discovering what true pain really looks like. So one of the ones I'm thinking about, we actually just taught a class on it this morning, so it's kind of top of mind for me. But it's a, a concept called reversing, which is to answer a question with a question. And what it's not meant to do is deflect answering someone's question. It's meant more to figure out what was the real question now, humans have a, a tendency not to ask what they really want insight into. They just kind of ask a testing question first. And then if they're comfortable, then they will follow up with what the real question is. And a, a completely unrelated example, you know, if, if someone owns a pickup truck, they become pretty comfortable. People will say things like, hey, what are you doing this weekend? And uh, if they say, well, nothing, I'm free, then you know, oops. They're, oops, yeah, so they're going to get in trouble there. But if they said, uh, you know, why do you ask? They're, they're going to get the right information. And then armed with the right information, they can decide whether or not they want to lend someone their truck or help them move. And so, you know, potential clients do the same thing where they say, hey, you know, I need help with fill in blank. What do you think about that? 
and a professional with a ton of information and knowledge maybe about something that sounds similar just starts giving suggestions where what they might want to do instead, they'd be better served to get to pain, would be to say things like, you know, I'm curious why you brought that up just now and dive in a little bit deeper. And there's a, a series of questions that we've got. We call it the pain funnel in Sandler. There's eight questions that uh, if just done correctly and in order, oftentimes can really get to the pain in most scenarios, regardless of whatever the problem was that was first positioned in that conversation. But there's a lot of different ways to do it for sure. Active listening, um, you know, paraphrasing and restating, these are all great tactics and techniques in, in uncovering pain. Eric, is that um, pain funnel for public consumption such that we could put it on the show notes of this episode for the listeners to go check it out? You know, I appreciate you asking, Tom. The uh, the pain funnel's probably got a TM next to wherever it's been published online. And as much as we'd probably keep it, you know, out of the hands of anyone who didn't pay for it, we're also big fans of abundance, and it's in the world. So, yeah, if you want to if you want to link that in, or you want to suggest that someone can see it, we couldn't hide it anyway. So, right, I'd, I'd right. Say go. Cool. Well, we'll do that. And um, speaking of other funnels, I wanted to shift back to the sales funnel and maybe work further yep. up it if you don't mind. Um, I'm going to recall a, a story that I find humorous and you were there. So maybe you do too. Um, I was about midway through the Sandler sales training process. You got you and I were having a very casual conversation and I was noticing that you were becoming more and more active on LinkedIn and in doing some of the quote unquote behaviors that I would regard as content marketing. So you were, um, you know, you're, blogging a little bit. You had a, an e-newsletter that you were sending out. I started to see you film these short videos that you were answering questions. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I turned to the sales guy and said, what, you believe in marketing now? And, you know, with, <laughs> with a sly grin, you said, you know what, I think I'm starting to drink the marketing Kool-Aid. And as a matter of fact, I said, you know what, I'm starting to drink the sales Kool-Aid as a, uh, as a marketing <laughs> guy. So it was an interesting, um, conversion for the two of us, um, both, you know, converting and then meeting at the conversion point. What have you discovered? Because it seems like you've become, you know, something of a prolific content marketer, whether you know it or not, or whether you like it or not. But I'd be interested to know what you're discovering as you're doing more of that type of thing, how it relates to the intersection between typically thought of as content marketing in what we're describing now, which is more business development or sales and how thought leadership and our you know, in our expression of it, what are you seeing um, that might be interesting for people to, to think about, especially attorneys who are, who, who may be good content marketers and maybe thought leaders, but don't regard themselves as sales professionals. So appreciate, by the way, calling me a prolific marketer. Um, <laughs> I think being a prolific, anything other than prolific asshole is probably a good compliment. So I'll, I'll right. take it. Um, well, I, I've said so that as well. So, <laughs> just so, <you> know. <laughs> so the question again, though, Tom, give me the give me the abridged version one more time. The just the intersection that you're seeing as someone who's been more active in marketing and how that's related to your sales or business development efforts and how maybe the two have crisscrossed or, or intersected in some yeah. way. Yeah. So they've they've definitely intersected in a in a healthy way, and one of the things that. I think I struggled with personally as a salesperson first and really you know, having that be my primary job function most of my adult life is that, um, you know, I just had to go out and, and get in front of people and do that hard work and the heavy lifting and marketing. The beauty of that is that it's usually a one to many play. 
So if you're doing that the right way, you're, you're getting out in front of a lot of people and that's helped to generate additional awareness. Uh, certainly it's gotten people engaged where I didn't even know I was touching them. And then to match that up with behaviors like we were talking about before and actually make some of the outbound calls and be proactive about reaching out to the environment on the back end of some passive stuff and you know, content generation and, and content marketing. Once those two kind of match up together, uh, what I might have thought was a, a cold relationship actually isn't. You know, someone's been following something I've been doing for a period of time. They've uh, become more comfortable with me than I ever thought. And when I finally meet them in the real world, it's uh, it's warmed up and it's a lot easier to have that conversation. Yeah, and uh, we've even noticed that some of the content marketing or the content creation has facilitated some of the behaviors that you have long espoused us to tackle, but maybe, you know, a sales averse person might, you know, shy away from. So like the phone call or the uh, unsolicited email, the perfect example is, you know, you might, um, if you're writing a book, which is a massive piece of content, you might call someone or email them and ask them if they would, you know, be willing to be interviewed for the book or be a guest on a podcast or things like that, which is, that's, that removes all of the self-applied pressure that I have to call this person, ask them to lunch, because when I take them to lunch, I'm going to ask them to buy something from me. And if I don't, I'm a huge failure. It's just a total paradigm <laughs> shift. So it allows, you know, these marketers like Jay and I to say, well, geez, I can do that. Right. It's not, I didn't realize yep. that was selling. So it's interesting. And what I've found too that's that's really helpful is uh, you know just pairing them up, like you said, you know the two of us came to an intersection there, and, and pairing them together is where the real value comes in. If you're marketing but you're not reaching out proactively, you're you're missing a ton of opportunities. And if all you're doing is you know smiling and dialing, that's not the smartest way to to build a marketplace. Eric, before we wrap up, I wanted to ask one last question, um, which is you know. In light of your, uh, you know, your experience with Sandler, is, is there a single part of the program um, or a place that you'd urge lawyers in particular to start in order to, um, you know, kind of start dipping their toe in and becoming more active in, in terms of business development? Um, what, what would be a part of the sort of framework or paradigm of, of the Sandler system that you'd, you'd suggest they start at? Uh, we wrote a book called You Can't Teach a Kid to Ride a Bike at a Seminar. Yeah, and I, I find that one's usually a great place to start from a philosophy, philosophical kind of standpoint. It lays out what our sales process looks like and why it's important and why it matters to the people we work with. So if someone reads that and they don't really resonate with it, then it's probably not the right fit for them. But if they, uh, if they do, a lot of times there's an aha moment in there and it's just a good place to start thinking about their world. One of, the, uh, one of the other things that is probably helpful for someone just in that position is to start thinking about what business development would actually mean for them. Because there are, there are plenty of professionals who are probably going to be better served just doing the work. And there's always a, uh, you know, a spot for someone like that in a, in a law firm or a CPA office or whatever it is where you know, someone's got to do the work. And if all they're going to do is do the work, they can still bill out, they can make a living, and they're going to be good there. But if they really want to aspire to be a partner or to run their own office or to do something like that, and that's something that they're aware of and they're thinking about and they want that to be their future, uh, that should be something to think about, understand, and if that's the case, whether it's us or anyone else, you know, get involved in some professional training to learn how to sell right. 
Yeah, and where I th thought you were going to answer that question would be the first step in the sub, which I think is encouraging to people who are afraid to embark on a quote unquote sales initiative or sales career. And the mm -hmm. first step, if I recall correctly, is the simple act of building rapport. Is yeah, it not? absolutely. Trust, credibility, likeness. Absolutely. That, and if you, you know, I would suggest, you know, as someone who's overcome the, the sales aversion myself, is that if you focus on just that one piece as a start to say, can you build rapport with people that's authentic and um, in mutual? The answer to that mm -hmm. should be yes, right? Unless you're the... Um, prolific asshole that you referenced earlier to get us the <laughs> explicit tag on our podcast. Um, well, you know, all you have to do is find other prolific assholes to work with. And right. then, you, know, you match right. up together. So. I did that. I didn't like that as much as actually working with, with nice people. So I'm that, with you, Tom. Yeah. So building a rapport is, is fairly easy and, and somewhat enjoyable. And if you just approach it with that's all you're starting, it's all you need to do at least at first, then at least that's going to get you out there and at least get you committed to the behaviors, which is going to the event or, or making the phone call to congratulate someone who had just been published, that sort of thing. So rapport building is easy. Um, it's pretty low stakes, um, but it can lead to, you know, the next step, which is when you're actually starting to get out and maybe discover some pain somewhere in the world. Absolutely. And if you're out there just building rapport and you do a good job with that, then a lot of times people will say, hey, I like you. And if they've got a problem and you're the type of person that can help them, they just they start the dialogue. That's right. All right. Well, we'll link to um, if people want to start a rapport with you, we'll link to your uh, your LinkedIn profile in the show notes. We'll provide that uh, that the the pain funnel. Where do people go to learn more about the growing EAM consulting group? They would go to www.eam.sandler, S-A-N-D-L-E-R.com. That'd be a good place to start. Cool. Anything else you want to leave uh, either J or I or our uh, listeners, which is primarily, again, legal marketers and lawyers? Any final words of wisdom, Eric? Uh, let's see. If there's one thing I'm thinking about relative to that audience. Selling is a noble profession, and without it, uh, there's no work to be done. So it's got to happen first. The work can come second. And if you're thinking about it that way, you can you can think about it the right way. So hopefully that'll resonate somewhere. Great. Well, we appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you for being a part of this. And uh, we may pick your brain again if you're up for it. Yeah, I'd love to. Jay, Tom, I appreciate getting a chance to be on the podcast. Thank you. Well, thank you. Well, and thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the Thought Leadership Project podcast. And we'll see you next time. See you, Jay. See you, Tom. Bye, Eric. Thank you. See you guys. Thank you for listening to the Thought Leadership Project. For show notes, additional resources, and links to the tools discussed on today's episode, visit thethoughtleadershipproject.com.